Ruchim Haboyim B'Shem Hashem Be'erach Nuchem Be'Vez Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. This week Pasha's Vayera Vayera Elav Hashem Vayera Hashem Elav Rom Hashem appears to Abraham The Shabbos is Tes Vav Cheshven Tesvav Cheshven, which is the 15th day of the month. We spoke once previously, the te- 15th day of the Hebrew month is Siyara Bashle Musa, the Zohar says. It's when the moon is full. And since B'nai Yisrael, since the Jews are compared to the moon, this is a special day of the month. And just as the Jews are anticipating to reach, to achieve to that high level of the fullest of the full moon, so too the month is fulfilled by the 15th day of the month. The month of Cheshvin, we found Zayn Mar Cheshvin. Zayn Mar Cheshvin is a day that they start in Etzisel, the Saint Halamot Levracha, which makes a division in the Jewish nation. Whereas in Chutzlaretz we don't say the Saint Alamot until December fifth. Sometimes the sixth, but until the fourth or fifth. But since, but at the cell they begin on Zayim Archeshvin, which we've spoken about many times before. We also had this week Yir Aleph Marcheshen. Like to, well, we have to thank, we have to express the, our gratitude to those that joined us in prayer on Yir Aleph Marcheshen, the by the Ehel, the yard site of Rachel Imenu, where the women. All daven together for Lisa Shlamas Bracha, Bas Rachel Hinda, which as we have been dedicating our shir to her, improve health, the Fuah Shalema Kreva, and we see it speedily. Tezvab Marcheshvin, for the historians, I remember it well, 1938. Tezvav Marcheshvin was Kristallnacht. The night, the pogrom, the horrific pogrom with the Germans who were officially avenging 
the German that was killed in Poland, the ambassador, was killed by a Jewish boy, a 17-year-old boy whose parents were not being allowed to leave Germany to come to Poland. So the ambassador that he was sitting with, he shot, killed, died two days later. Kristallnacht, which was also on a Friday night, the Germans, took to the streets of the Jewish areas, Kristall referring to the glass, to the shards of broken glass, that filled the streets. Every store owned by a Jew, every home, every shul, their windows were shattered and plundered. Although there were many signs prior to that already, what was going on, Many people already knew that they had to be leaving, they had to get out of that cursed land. But this is the definite homecoming message saying, Jews are not welcome. And the land, the entire country was thrown into turmoil. So as we commemorate from, t- from 1938 to 2014, you can do the math yourselves, the decades that have passed, the Jewish blood that has been spilled, and now we're revisiting. No longer using bombs or missiles, using cars, Simple cars to mow down Jews. How cowardly can they get? How low can they stoop? We don't want to know. They use children as bombs, so what else could you expect? I'd like to take a moment to say Mazel Tov to my brother, Baruch Hashem, to the Shizuch this week. His daughter got engaged to a boy from Florida, Yossi Dolphin. Very interesting how our families go back many, many years to the years we grew up together in Borough Park, the Dolphins and ourselves. They lived on 45th Street, I believe, and we lived on 47th. And it was interesting that by the, when they got engaged, they were standing by the oil. The Hassan's father addressed myself and my brother and his father, his father is a nice fellow, old man, funny old man, hot-headed fellow, always was a hot-headed fellow, had a short, a short fuse. And uh, he reminisced of a story, a little shul on 49th Street and 18th Avenue in Borough Park. It's called Felder. It was Rabbi Felder, it was his shul. And the shul was known as Felder's. This is Felder's shul. My grandfather of Shalom, Shalomayr Akoyin, Shalomay Akoyin, used to go in the early morning, make sure there was coffee for people, make sure the minyanim were running, 
Diagonally across was another Bismedish, Kosnya Bismedish. He would run back and forth across 18th Avenue, making sure that both shuls were functioning. Anyway, the Hassan's father told the story that he remembers it clearly. It was a Friday night. And his father, the grandfather of the Hassan, was tired. Friday night, a hard week work. And he was laid out on the bima during the Chadaydi. No, he didn't get it. No. He wasn't, he didn't merit. My grandfather was very, very um, perturbed by anyone that would lay down on the bima. It's common practice. People would just lean on the bima or something like that. And that disturbed him very badly. He says, the Sefetera lies there. You have no right to lie there. Now, according to Shekhanarach, when the Sefetera is not there, there's nothing wrong. But if the Sefetera is lying there, you're definitely not allowed to lean on it. And you see often Balikriya, people that are leaning are leaning on the bima as they're leaning. Or people that are getting alias and they're leaning on the bima. It's not allowed. That bima is supporting now the Sefetera. You don't lie side by side with the Sefetera. Anyway, the senior, the grandfather, was lying, leaning on the bima. Exhausted during the songs of the Chadedi. My grandfather walked over to him and said to him, This is not your pillow, mister. Sanish Dan Kushin. This leaks that day. And the Chassan's father is telling the story, he says, And you just got up and walked away. So the grandfather says, That's a miracle. I didn't explode. <laughs> yeah. Was a, but I remember him as a child, you know, he was always off the handle. He didn't get violent to the hand physically, but he was always screaming and yelling about something else. And he does it still today. Now he lives here in Crown Heights. When he comes to shul in the morning, and uh, in case you come to shul half asleep, he's going to be waking you up. He sits and learns, he studies from about 6.20 to about 6.50. About a half hour they learn the Tata. And then his meeting is at 5 to 7. So, Aibarsham has some peace from a quarter to 6 till 6.20 till he comes to show. So we reach out and say Malatav to my brother. We'd also like to discuss the upcoming Shleshim of my uncle, Avashalom, my father's oldest brother, who passed away on Sukkis, but was buried only on the Sunday of Chalamayid, he was worried that we didn't have an outing, we might not have had to do so, we had a Levaya. Um, so this Monday is the Shleshim, and I Shleshim, of course, I'd like to say a few words about my uncle, Yechiel ben Rebisrol, Rabbi Chosr of Yechiel ben Rabbi Chosr of Yisrael. My grandparents had several children, of course. They had an oldest child, Ari Leibish, Hashem Yiddish Damov, who was killed by the Nazis in Germany, um, or in Poland, actually. He was in Yeshiva. And they took out the entire Yeshiva and shot them. When they arrived here in America, finally, they all regrouped here in America, in New York, was Chil, Moshe, and Shmiel. Chil, the oldest brother here, my father next, and then there was Shmuel, the youngest. 
Lagachil is a is a sharp dude. He's a big Talmud Chacham. It was also a phenomenal Balkera. He lained in the shul on Cornell Avenue and later in the white shul in Farakway. He struggled. He struggled financially. Job to job. Before getting into becoming a Shabbos in the shul, he was uh, working in a coat factory for a while. Working for his brothers-in-law. Should live and be well. But I met, I learned my mitzvah lessons with my uncle. My uncle taught me for how to read the Torah for the mitzvah and my half Torah, everything. I was amazed. I would come on sometimes a Thursday evening for my lesson, and my uncle was sitting there with the Tikkun Lakedon, which is the safer with one part, is one shura, one row, is regular letters, and the other shura is the letters of the Sefer Kizavashri. And he would be preparing the Kriya for Shabbos. And I would say, Uncle Gil, you just lay in this last year. And the year before, and the year before that. You need to still prepare it. And he told me that's a very important lesson to you, my son. A Balkaria may not go over to the Tera unless he's well prepared. And therefore, although I probably know the whole Chumishachum Shater by heart with a trap, I will never lane without preparing first. And this was ingrained in me in a life lesson that although we study Tera randomly, we have gone to Shurim, or today, Baruch Hashem, we are blessed and graced with. Shuram online, if you're listening to this year. Before a person studies Torah in the morning, a person needs to say Birchas HaShachar, the, the Brachas of the morning, and amongst the Birchas HaShachar is the Birchas HaTera. A person may not learn Torah unless he says Birchas HaTera. If the person did not recite the benedictions of the Birchas HaTera, we rely, according to opinions, in Bichas Krishna, the blessings before Shema, the Ahava Salem, the same with the Benabino, Lavan Haskil, Shmeya, Lilma, Lama, Lishma, Lasaka. We rely on that bracha, the Bechama Misal Behava, as a bracha Bichas Atera, which precedes the Shema, which is, of course, words of Tera. The approach that he had to Teda, the approach that he had to every Talmud Chacham, to every Rav, to every God-fearing Jew, was just fascinating. And so now as we come to his Shleishim, he did not have it easy the last few years, mm-hmm. to say the least. We ask our Uncle Chil, Rabbi Yisrael, 
to be a good better for us. He was named after a very, very holy person, Echil Saginor, my great-great-grandfather, who was a Saginor, he was blind, but also knew the entire Torah by heart and the entire Unculus, amongst many, I'm sure most of Shas, if not all. However, on Friday afternoon, when he would do Shnai Mikra Targum, which is the, what's formerly known as Mar Besedra, we say the Pasuk twice in the Parsha, and then we say one time the Unculus. Every Pasuk throughout the Parsha, Pasuk by Pasuk, we say the Pasuk, we repeat the Pasuk twice, and one time Unculus. So when the Zayder of Chilish, the Saginor, would be Mar Besedra, he would have somebody with him read the Psukim to him. And he would repeat after the fellow the psukim and then say the uncles himself. Because uncles you're allowed to say by heart and the teri you're not. So not to quote a pasuk and the teri by heart, he would have somebody say it to him, read it to him, and he would repeat after him so that it's not considered by heart. Okay, enough of trivia. Never enough of the history as we spoke about Kristal Nacht. But let us prepare, let us turn now our focus to our Parsha. Truth to be told, our Parsha ranks as probably the most important venue, most important happening in the Jewish history. Avram Avinu invites three guests, three angels, and at that time, of course nobody had the tater yet, and there was no issue really of Basavachalov, of eating milk and meat together. There's definitely no concept of waiting between milk and meat. But we see here that it transpires between them that they eat, they eat this, they eat that, they eat dairy, they eat meat. It's, it's a very awkward situation here. It's almost as awkward <laughs> as it says by Saddam, when they needed to escape from Saddam, it says the angels took light by his hand and the daughters and the wife by their hands. Hey, you're not allowed to hold hands with a woman. What's going on over here? Anyway, later in history, not in history, but later in our heritage, Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to heaven to get the Tera. And when the Malachim screamed and yelled that the Tera belongs here in heaven, one of the answers that Moshe presented them is, you, are, you guys are just not capable of keeping this data. You were down in the world for a few short minutes and you're already eating meat, milk and meat together. So this actual happening, this circumstance that takes place here, sets a precedence. One of the, my uh, daughter's uh, vocabulary words this week. Sets a precedence for one of the most for the most important part of our history, Kabbalah Satera.
speaking of setting precedents, on our tmimim.org, OHR tmimim.org, a school run by many, many very capable people, including our Machutin, Machutin's Machutin, Reptavia Bolton. Reptavia is one cool guy. But a cool guy, he used, you know, he got records or cassettes or whatever you want to call them, CDs today, that he put out, musicals. And he also runs this yeshiva for Bali Tshuva. It's an amazing program, Chabad. And he really is on top of the situation. But he's through and through from, to an extent, he's so genuine, you can't say no to him. So we were told once, it was Friday afternoon, he ran to Tel Aviv to put on film for an hour with people. It was almost Shabbos, he was running back with a bunch of guys in his car, and he was running back, and there was a little traffic going back to Kfar Chabad. There was a shortcut, <laughs> shortcut, not necessarily very legal, but it wouldn't have killed anybody, not in the car, not on the outside of the car. He had to cut across a white line or to cut across the highway, whatever it was. He looked to his right, looked to his left, and uh, he didn't see Vayarki Einish. He saw there's no cops. He did a quick cut over. And out of the bushes, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, there comes a motorcycle, and he pulls him over. Hey, Tzuras, it's almost Shabbos, plus a ticket, plus a Zaynetzt. Guy says, get out of your car. Want to see who you are? Want to check you don't have any previous arrests or anything like this? Fugitive. No. He took, takes him, he starts to write already. And he says to him, you're Chabad? So he says, yes, yes, we're Chabad, yes. He was all excited. The guy's going to recognize him as Chabad. Maybe he'll say, okay, go away, don't give him a ticket. Alright, keeps writing. He hands him the ticket and he says to him, I gotta tell you a story of the Rebbe. So he says, you know what? You got a ticket taka and everything else. But the guy has a story of the Rebbe. He wants to hear it. Shabbos coming, but he's gotta hear the story. And this motorcycle cop tells him the following story. Many years ago, he says. I was on a call. Somebody was pinned under a car. So I came running with my motorcycle. And some Arab truck or whatever it was hit me from the side. So I, the side, they ran me in from the side. And they sent me over. It's a call to my other service. It's crazy. And I pay more money now. And they sent me into a ravine 14 feet down, off the highway. I was a wreck, a shmetit. But not stamped to shmetit, I was paralyzed from head to toe. But they got me out alive. I can't say in one piece, of course. And they rushed me to the hospital, and they operated and operated and operated. 
But finally they said they can only save one side of my body. Only the left side, the right side is not gonna, never going to be anything. The leg, the hand, the eye, my whole right side, Nebuch. No, we went from one doctor to another, one specialist to another, one Kabbalist to another. We went to wherever we could go to. And um, nobody helped. Nobody is successful. I got pretty fed up with these rabbis and these rabbis and these spiritual people who only knew how to take my money and didn't produce anything for me. I get a phone call from somebody that in Germany they have a procedure for my case, for my situation. It's only a test. It's not 100% yet. But hey, you ain't getting any better. And it's only getting worse. So you may as well. So we made, we were able to get an appointment in two weeks' time for the surgery. We were scheduled to leave on Tuesday. The Thursday before, I was getting butterflies. And I get Thursday night, in the middle of the night, I get a visitor. A friend of mine sent me a chassid from Chabad. And the chassid says to me, why don't you write to the Rebbe? You know, like you have some chicken soup, it couldn't hurt. No. I started screaming at this kid, don't ask. I was lacing it into him like he never had. Leave me alone with the Rebbe. I'm fed up with this Rebbe's business. It's all a joke. not happening. I spent so much money already on this. The chassid said, listen here. You just write the letter and I'll fax it. I don't want any money from you. I don't want anything from you. I'll fax it from my own house. The guy was so persistent, he says, I couldn't say no. I wrote on a paper, I want my health and my livelihood. And that's it. And I said, you know what, buddy? I'll fax it already. And it was Friday already, early, it was whatever part of the day it was already. I sent the fax from my own house to the number that he gave me. To America. On Matzah Shabbos, several hours after Shabbos, of course, the fax is ringing. It's a fax from New York, from the Rebbe. A response from the Rebbe. You'll be well. You'll get back your original job. And you won't need the operation. Now, I didn't write anything about an operation. I didn't tell the Rebbe about the operation. 
So I said to everybody, how, how did the Rebbe know about the operation? Everybody, oh, excuse me, everybody else started saying, how did the Rebbe know about the operation? So I said he must have been told by this other kid, this Chabad kid, must have sent his own facts, or his own whatever, and he, found, he told the Rebbe about the operation probably. Anyway, the Rebbe said, I'm not going to need the operation. The said, I didn't believe it. It was not something I was interested in. But, here the Rebbe is telling me I'm going to get back my job. I'm not going to need the operation. Very, very awkward. Meantime, Monday morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. I turn over to answer the phone. Needless to say, I'm not happy at 6 o'clock in the morning to get a phone call. But I turn over to answer the phone. And the fellow says, this is Eddie. I'm calling from the highway patrol. From this and this branch. We'd like you to come work with us. I thought to myself, what a disgusting prank. Here I am, a cripple in bed. So it's not enough you're humiliating me about coming to work. But you're doing it at 6 o'clock in the morning. I hung up my phone. So angry, so disgusted. A few seconds later, I look at myself and I see I'm lying on my left hand. How did I answer the phone? And I pick up my right hand and I move it. It's moving. And all of a sudden the phone rings again. And I pick it up again, and the guy says, Listen, mister, you hung up on me. So, well, I didn't. Uh, you better be here Wednesday morning for a physical. I got out of bed. I walked with both my feet, with both my hands fully moving. I went Wednesday to the interview for the physical. Sunday, I was rehired to my job. So I guess the Rebbe made a miracle. Shabtubia says, it was worth getting the ticket to hear this story. So the the officer says, ticket? I didn't give you a ticket, I gave you a warning. So it was a second... Shabtubia says, it was a second miracle that happened. (laughs) for Israeli policemen they only give a warning the Pasha talks about Avram Avinu and his Achnas his welcoming of guests we discussed last week a little bit about a Rashi which we're going to reiterate re-elaborate on but before that the beginning of the Pasha, it talks about how Avram Avinu 
in the middle of his conversation with God, excuse me, picks himself up, and all the pain of the Shlish of the Milah, the third day after the bris, and he runs to greet three guests that he meets. He ran to the Bokor. He chose which Bokor, which sheep he wants to use. And he gave it to the young boy. And he said, hurry up, prepare it. And he took the cheese and the milk. And the Bokor that was already done. And he gave it to them. By Yechelu, he stood there and served them that they should eat. Who was the Nar? Why did he give it to the Nar and he himself didn't do it? He went to bring it, went to prepare it. Why did he give the Nar to prepare it, actually cook it? Rashi says the Nar is Yishmoel. And Avram gave it to him specially to educate him in the midst of Achlas HaSarchim. The Ramban says, the reason that he ran to the Bokal, to show how important this was to him. Although he was so sick and weak, he himself went to the tent of Sarah, and said, quickly, make the bread. And then he ran to the Bokar, Rach Vatev, to prepare. He didn't tell any of his servants, and he had many, many servants. The first of all, the preparation of the bread, Avram left for Sarah herself to do. Avram, it says, ran by Yemar Avram Ha'ela El Sara by Yemimari Shleish Sim Kemach Selis Lushivas Yugis. He told her exactly how to prepare it. We don't find later actually that he brought him bread. Why doesn't Ashi exactly express what happened over there? It talks about later in the center when it comes to late that he himself prepared the matzahs. So it's self-understood that this hachanas alechem, the preparation of the bread, was dafkasar is not Avram's job. So we can understand basically. This gives us a key to understand what Rashi is talking about here in the Sedra, Chayesara, and everything will be answered. Let us turn, focus a little bit now to the end of the Parsha. Eliezer goes and brings Rivka as a wife for Yitzchak. (laughs) 
Pasuk says, this is chapter 24, verse 67, He brought her to Yitzchak, Yitzchak brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother. And he took Rivka and it was his wife. Rashi then takes the three words, Ha'ayala, Sarah, Imei. The tent of Sarah, his mother. And Rashi explains. Ba'yaviya Ha'ayala, he brought her to the tent, Va'arehi, Sarah, Imei. This is of Sarah, his mother, Kalema, which means to say, Benasis Dugmas Sarah Ime. He made an example of Sarah's mother. What was the happening? We explained last week. She calls man, she says, She says, She says, She says, She says, Rashi. Her candle burned from Shabbos to Shabbos. There was a blessing in the dough, and there was a, a cloud, a holy cloud over the tent. However, when Sarah passed away, it disappeared, and as Rivka entered the tent, it returned. Thank you, Rashi. Bear in mind, Rashi explains the simplest explanation of the Pasuk. In that case, and he doesn't go and take different parts of Sifri. Sometimes he brings down the Sifri if it's necessary. He doesn't take different Diroshas and Agodas, Agadatas. Unless you actually need to understand. So we have to scrutinize Rashi's words in that case. Many different factors that are missing here. And the first problem we have from the words Ha'ayala Sara'imai, how does Rashi derive this whole story? The three miracles, and they took place, and they stopped, and they started, came back. The Maral Prag did exist, and he asked a question on Rashi. Rashi is bringing words of the Medrash. There were three things of Sarah's behavior. The candles, the dough, and the cloud. The Maral Meprach says, though, there was a fourth thing. In Bereshit Rabba it says one more thing. As long as Sarah was alive, the house was open, wide open. Everyone was able to come. So the four things are mentioned in the Razal, the Medrash, but Rashi leaves out the fourth one. And not only leaves out, omits the fourth one, he doesn't say there are four and he only mentions three. He says the Khatilla there are three things and he mentions only three.
And if Rashi knew that he didn't have to go to explain all four things, and he was going to anyway shorten the explanation, shorten it more. Say one thing. Why say three? Another question on Rashi. We find in Targum Yenisim and Azil on the Pasuk, and it's also brought down in Zayar. They only talk about the Ner Dalek, the candle. The Ramban mentions only the Bracha in the, on the dough, and the Medrash, like Achtev, only brings down about the cloud. Rashi stretches and says all three. Why? Let us look at the Dibur HaMaschal of the Rashi, the title of the Rashi. The title of the Rashi is Ha'ela Sara Imei. To Ha'ela, the famous tent, Sara, his mother. Here, these words are not needed. All that I have to tell us was that Yitzchak married Rivka. would be sufficient. He brought her and he married her. Why add the words to the tent of Sarah, his mother? Rashi has that very question. And this is what Rashi is explaining. That also after that Yitzchak heard from Eliezer the miracles that happened with Rivka, with the camels, with the water, the water came up to her, etc. He still wasn't sure that this is the right girl. He needed something solid. And there was obviously something solid that happens here, the Vayikach Isha. that brought about the fact that he married her. The Pasuk does not say clearly what were these extra miracles. What is that Yitzchak saw that confirmed that this is the right wife. And therefore Rashi learns that these three miracles are hinted in the three words Ha'ayhala Sara Imei. One is connected, one miracle connected to the word Ha'ayala, to her tent, one connected to the word Sarah, and one connected to the word Imai. The miracle connected to the word Sarah, to the name Sarah, is understood The way he explains, a special connection, Sarah prepared the dough. And therefore this miracle was specially connected to her, the blessing that is found in the dough. The miracle connected to Ha'ayalah, to the new, to that special tent, Hey, in the beginning, it be- makes it a hey hi 
a special tent, it was known specially, and that was it's connected to the cloud that hovered over it. We find also in our Pasha by the Akeda, he doesn't see a place, he sees the place. And Rashi explains, this is connected exactly with the mountain. Since it says, Hamokim, the known place, it's a place that special everyone knows about, which is ultimately Haramriya. And therefore he explains here also that Anan means that this hay tells us a special tent that had the cloud over it. Then there's a connection of a miracle to the word Imai, to his mother. The Ne'er Daluk made of Shabbos, out of Shabbos. The candle that burned from out of Shabbos, out of Shabbos. Every young child knows, the Benchamish the Mikra knows, the special thing that the mother is makbid, that she herself does. No matter who works in the house, who does things in the house, if the father makes the kugel, the children, whatever it might be, and if there's maid servants that clean up and everything, the mother lights the Shabbos candles. This is her direct action. So therefore, Imai is directed to the mother. So we have therefore, Rashi brings down the Dibramaskal, Ha'ayala Sara Imai, and says these three words are extra. Ha'ayala teaches us about the miracle of the cloud, Sara teaches us about the miracle of the dough, and Imai teaches us about the miracle of the, of the ner, the candles. So at this point we scratch our heads. The three miracles you just learned from the words Ayala Sarayimei are not in order. Rashi places them in a different order. Rashi first puts first puts the candles, then the dough, and then the cloud. In that case, it should be Imei Sara Ayala. If Rashi is translating these three words, the order should be different. But the truth is, regardless, the order Rashi brings it in doesn't fit anyway. When Rivka came into the tent, the cloud appeared on the tent. So therefore the first miracle was the cloud. Afterwards, she started dealing with dough. So you saw the miracle that she had with the dough. The blessing that she had in her dough. Now, Nader Shabbos was only a week later. Even if she came in on a Friday, and she lit candles that Friday... You didn't know this miracle of Friday to Friday was by her until next Friday. Until you saw it burning till next Friday, you didn't know that she had that miracle. So what is Rashi mixing it up here? Why is he jumbling the mix in the miracles? 
So we have to simply say, Simbrashi is explaining simply. We'll say it simply. This story here goes on about the miracles. The specific miracles that took place when Rivka arrives. And that proves to Yitzchak that she is the Holy One. That she's exactly like his mother. Since she was so holy, Susat Sitkas of Rivka is talking about, Rashi says first about the candle lit from Shabbos to Shabbos, which this shows on the greatness of how her actions of mitzvahs that she compares to Sarah with. He continues with the dough, which is the Maitse Yedel, the work that she does. And then it comes through <coughs> with the cow of the cloud, which is not even affecting, it's not something that she actually does to bring about the cloud. But the cloud was a an action from God Himself. And therefore the three miracles indeed return. But they return in this in this order actually. The candles are first, because the candles are something that have to do with her action, with her existence, her accomplishment from her mitzvahs. And then the dough that has to do with her actual handy work. And then the cloud which has to do with the work from God Himself. The trials and tribulations that Avram is facing are reflected in today's day and age. In today's day and age, we try, we of course have so much more. Unfortunately, I spoke to a parent this week that told me that unfortunately they had to put their daughter in public school for whatever reason it might have been. And um, the results were not very positive Yiddishkeit-wise. They couldn't imagine why. They thought it was their daughter's fault. You take the kid out of yeshiva, you put the kid in public school, and you want to know why she's not behaving like a nice Jewish girl. We Baruch Hashem, we hopefully got through, and hopefully they will see it. She's going back now to the school, to a Jewish school, and the Shem will see much nachas. They just have to figure out how they're going to pay for the tuition like everybody else. Um, but an interesting story. It's happened probably about 30 years ago, if not more. A shaliach gets a visit. A local New York shaliach. Obviously not too far from here, two, three hours away. He gets a visit one Sunday morning. Parents and a son, and the son says, "I need to talk to you, Rabbi." So says my mother. Is it fine? Come to my study. They went into the rabbi's study, and the son says to him, "I must tell you." That Baruch Hashem, I reached of age. I'm in love, and we want to get married. 
The rabbi sits and waits. No, weiter. Um, she's not Jewish. Rashiksa. Shliach fixes his glasses, fixes his watch, scratches his beard. <laughs> Whatever else you have to do to get this nervous twitch away. And Baruch Hashem, he spent enough time doing that for the guy to continue talking. My parents are adamantly against it. They're fighting me tooth and nail. My mother's driving me nuts. And she says, we're Holocaust survivors. And this is how you're going to show that Hitler was wrong? You're going to continue his work for him? So she took me to a rabbi. And the rabbi explained to me the horrific ramifications Look at what our father Abraham went through. And look at all the Jews and the, and the Inquisition and the Holocaust. Your own parents, survivors of the Holocaust. How can you destroy our legacy? How can you cut off this beautiful, rich legacy that we've gone through? He was great. He was a phenomenal orator. Powerful got to the point, got to my core. I walked out of there and I was really shaking. But I walked out, I walked further, I got home. And the clock ticked and I got further away from that visit. And as the time wore off, so wore off his potency of his message and I said, eh. So he said, come see a second rabbi. And I went to a second rabbi. And he says to me, Ashikza? Are you Meshiga? You marry a Shiksa, your kids will not be Jewish. Let me show you something. He took out a piece of chalk and a blackboard. And he drew a map. And he showed me statistics. Very rarely does intermarriage work by any couple. Always ends up through, almost always in divorce. And the children hate you. And they're not Jewish and they're not related to you and they don't respect you. And they're going to turn to you and always call you a Jew. And, whoa, he was powerful. And I was on the verge of tears. And I walked out, and I was really very, very close to being convinced. And I came home, and I went to sleep, and I woke up in the morning, and I said, you know, he said 90% of intermarriages don't last. I'm going to prove that I'm going to be from the 10%. My marriage is going to last, and I'm going to raise a family. So, Rabbi Chabad Shliach, what you got to sell? <laughs> Shliach takes off his glasses and says, I'll be very frank with you, I got nothing. 
You have heard it all. They were fantastic. They got to the point and to the core. And I have nothing to tell you. If they couldn't convince you, I'm a small fry. He looks at his watch and he says, you know what? Let's not make ourselves mishiga. Let's get in my car. The Rebbe is giving out dollars today, Sunday. Let's go get a dollar. No? He says, what do we got to lose? Rebbe? No, a Rebbe. Not a rabbi. And after all, his mother said, if you're not convinced after seeing Chabad, then I don't bother you anymore. So let me get all of it out so that I don't have anything afterwards. She says, you didn't get the whole Chabad experience. I'll go. They get to 770, the line is on the street. And the chassid stands next to him and says, okay, we're online. He says, you can't be serious. Right, he figured the line's on the street, it's going into the shul. The rabbi must be standing in the shul. Little did he know that you come into the shul, and the shul is a whole line again, up and down the benches. And then you have to get to the steps, and you get to the steps, and you go upstairs. And then there's a foyer, and then you get to the rabbi. Three hours of this waiting... And he thought for sure he's going to meet the Lubavitch and Rebbe must be this old, frail, scary looking man. And he comes in front of the Rebbe and he sees, wow, royalty. Royalty, like a king, the Rebbe standing there. And the Rebbe hands him a dollar and he says, Rebbe, I'm in love with the Shiksa and we want to get married. And all these thousands of people, and the Rebbe stops and looks at me and says, I envy you. Huh? <laughs> you know, the guy came to his Rebbe in the middle of the night, he says, the lady comes to the Rebbe and he says, not the Rebbe. She comes to another Rebbe and she says, my son went crazy. So was he crazy? All night he dances with shikses and he fesses Chaza. <laughs> so she says, the Rebbe says to her, if you told me he was dancing with the chazes and leading the shikses, I thought he was crazy. This way, I don't know if he's so crazy. Anyway, the Rebbe says to him, I envy you. The guy's in shock. You could blow him over with a feather. Envy me? The Rebbe saw, obviously, he didn't understand. The Rebbe said to him, Avram Avinu had ten tests. And he passed them all with flying colors. I never would have a test of having to marry a shiksa. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it's like. I, don't, I, I just will never have that test. You are going through that test. And you're going to pass with flying colors. I envy you because you're going to come through with much merits that I can never have gotten. They came outside. The boy said to the rabbi, to the Chabad Shliach, that's Vidanya, thank you very much. Have a good day. And he gets in his car, he drives off into the sunset. They don't exchange phone numbers, they don't exchange nothing. He's gone. A month later, this bucket comes in. 
to the Chabad, to the Beis Chabad, and he comes over to the rabbi, he says, Rabbi, I must tell you, the Shiksa adventure is over. I want to buy a pair of tefillin. I want to buy a pair of tefillin. I want to start wearing tefillin every day. Now he says, wonderful. Can I ask you one thing? What happened here? Why are you so hot? So he says, every other rabbi, the other two rabbis I spoke to, one spoke about the past, one spoke about the future. The rabbi spoke to me about the present, about me, how it affects me, what it does to me, what it does for me. And that's what got to me. We see this week's parasha, Avraham Avinu takes the donkey and he puts the wood and the knife on it. We know that this donkey reappears in the, into history as Moshe Rabbeinu's donkey when he comes down to Egypt and he mounts his children and his wife. And the Medish tells us this donkey is the donkey that will bring Mashiach. Why is this donkey, first of all, so old? And what is the message from these three donkeys? The message is the past, the present, and the future. Avraham Avinu was starting to introduce God to the world. And therefore the concept of the donkey could only hold his kalim, his vessels. Meshach Rabbeinu brought Teda into the world, but still had the Yitzhahadas and all the other things that were going on in the world, and therefore they were affecting the world's actual roots. And therefore only his wife and children can mount. Mashiach Tzidkenu should come tonight on this donkey. Amen. He is going to affect us, the world, its essence now. And therefore he himself mounts that donkey. And may we merit that Mashiach should mount the donkey for us so that he could lead us and take away all our obstacles and take us to Yerushalayim, Yerakedesh, the Shabbos and that night of Kristallnacht will be Yehovchu Yomelu, the Satsin of the Simcha will be turned over to a night of Simcha and joy as we sit in Yerushalayim, Yerakedesh, Shabbat Shalom to all. Amen.